So today, as we jump into our time together, I am so passionate about this word that God gave me, not only just for us today, but my heart's prayer is that you will grab a hold of what God is speaking to you today. So I invite you, please, Take out whatever it is you take notes on, whether it is your iPad, whether it's your phone, whether it's a old school journal. I take notes with old school journals because I just love just writing and then being able to go back and reflect on that. Because I believe with all of my heart, God has something specific for each of you today. And I'm not gonna be able to tell you what that is, but something's gonna come alive and something a light switch is gonna be flipped in your spirit. And you're gonna say, that's for me. So I invite you, please dig in because we're getting ready to go on a beautiful journey that the Lord has prepared for us today. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, King of heaven and earth, lover of our souls, giver of life, and we want to just say thank you. We come to you simply because of who you are. You are worthy. You give us life and life more abundantly. Would you bless this word that the Holy Spirit has given me today, Father God, and I thank you that it comes at a time for such as this, on fertile ground, fertile soil. May you receive all glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the title of our message today is Ignite, Breaking Free from the Spiritual Hamster Will. You see, because many times we plead and we ask God for a radical change, yet we find comfort in the status quo. Our craving for control prevents us many times from trusting God in the unknown. And the fear lingers, the fear of what if God answers this radical transformative change I'm praying and believing for? Will that require me to take a step of faith? And because of this fear, we've constructed spiritual hamster wheels a hamster, you know, the little small rodent animal that thrives in a cage. We actually just got one for our youngest daughter. He's really cute. He lives like a king, a little, little enclosement with two stories. He hates his hamster will. And I'm like, this is definitely a hamster that belongs in this family. Uh, he does not run on that thing at all. You know, so, but we construct in, in our own minds, we construct the spiritual hamster will filling just moments of accomplishment, but we miss the fact that the world outside is drifting away from the love of God and they're drifting toward eternal separation from him. There are times when we step off our wills momentarily, maybe driven by condemnation or embarrassment, taking some sort of action to feel better, but yet we remain caged just like a hamster in our own world and we return to that will because we're consumed by our own fears, our own needs, our own worries, our own struggles, completely leaving God out of the picture. But then we call upon him when we need him to rescue us. We were not designed to own any of those burdens, brothers and sisters. You know, when we look at what God designed for us, it's a life of thriving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12, one calls us to run the race, not the will. This passage talks about us being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Could you imagine you invite people to come and say, come watch this race. I'm, I'm like, 
world-class sprinter. Come watch this race. People come, they pay, they, they enter into the venue to come and watch the race. And then you're like, okay, are you guys ready? And everybody's so excited. And then you jump on this giant wheel and you just start running. I guarantee you the result would be, boo, we want our money back. This is not what we came for, right? That is exactly what God is asking us to do is break free from that. Because when we run the race that God has called us to run, guess what happens? Others get passionate. They see, wow, if they can do it, then guess what? I can do it. If God could use somebody like me, he's going to use someone like them. He has called us to run that race. So today, family, as we journey together, Let's challenge the familiar. Let's ignite a radical shift and a fire inside of us and pursue the race that is set before each of us. There's a story about a vibrant city, and in this vibrant city, there's a park that's called Serenity Grove. But after a while, the people of this community, specifically, they got so caught up in their own lives that they forgot about this park where everybody used to come. One day, there was a young lady. She was walking by the park, and this was her community, and she said, this is not okay. What's going on? Why is no one gathering here anymore? Why is it that everybody's so caught of others' hearts? And so with the team of volunteers, they built a community fire pit in that park, symbolizing the power of fire to warm bodies and unite communities. The flames sparked camaraderie amongst other people in the community. Before you knew it, there was a lot of volunteers coming, and they were leading in the community gathering, which broke barriers and also fostered togetherness. The word spread, attracting more and more people. And before you know it, simply because of that community fire pit, then the whole park began to transform. Others came in and said, let me help with the plants. Others came in and said, let me help with the landscape. Others came in and said, let's build a fountain here. And then before you knew it, there was just not only in that community, but then it began to spread in the other neighborhoods. It began to spread in the other areas. And because of one person's ignition of flame that then spread to others. Not only did it change that community, but then began to change others and more and more and more. Because when we follow God's calling on our lives, it is not just an addition. It is a significant amplification, a significant exponential multiplication, because that's the kind of God we serve. That is the good fire the good fire. And if we look at a beautiful story that we've all heard located in Exodus chapter three, we hear the story of Moses and the burning bush. We know that the first part of Moses's life, he had tremendous favor and protection and guidance by the power of his parents being led by, even though the Holy Spirit wasn't mentioned at that time. I believe with all of my heart that they listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Moses grew up in Egyptian royalty. He made a bad choice. He ran. But God was definitely not done with him. He came to him and he said, Moses, first of all, take off your sandals because the ground you are standing on is holy. The fire that was burning in that bush was amazing. It was so intense, but the bush did not burn because it was the Holy Spirit. And he called him and he said, 
I am bringing you into a new season in which I am going to use you in spite of what you may think that you fall short of. I've already provided and gone ahead of you. So you are going to lead this people out of oppression. You're going to lead these people out of depression. You're going to lead these people out of all the pressions <laughs> and into the new journey, into the new country, the territory that I have called them to. That shows the divine presence of God. Because when he transforms our hearts, he already says he's gone before us. He says he's already prepared the good works for us that we would walk in them. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, the New International Version says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Brothers and sisters, that is good flames. It's purification and testing of the Holy Spirit that strengthens us for the days to come. Then we look at the passion for God like Jeremiah, who couldn't hold God's word in. He had to release it. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, the New International Version says this, but if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That should be us. We don't have to have some traumatic experience or have gone through life and death. The simple fact that we're alive today should be enough for us to unleash the fire that God has placed within us to reach those who need to know the truth of who he is. Because if we don't go, who will? Who will? We often encounter this term. We've heard it, charisma. And actually, what I've learned now by having an 18-year-old and being around with a lot of wonderful, amazing young adults and young people, there's a shortened version called Riz, right? So you say, hey, you got Riz. So there's a beautiful, like, powerful insight to that, though. I've learned fundamentally that charisma is grounded in confidence, okay? Consider Jeremiah whose charisma was fueled by his profound confidence in the Lord. It wasn't a fleeting emotion, but it was a way of life. He exemplified the transformative power of unwavering faith. He was not willing to let his outward circumstances stop him from being and doing what God called him, who God called him to be and what God called him to do. Because the fire of God produces spiritual growth and promotion. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, New King James says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We look at Daniel chapter 3. I was talking with the young adults the other night about this. It's an incredible story about three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they refused, they did not dishonor the king, 
but they refuse to allow the command that he gave for them to bow down and worship an idol. They refused to take that. They refused to be conformed and assimilated into the Babylonian society and the culture because they knew the true God whom they served. So they said, even if, even if, now I had to ask myself this question, Serena, would you be so bold enough to say, look, I'm not going to follow what you asked me to do, but even if God doesn't save me, I'm still going to go ahead and trust him. They said, even if. So they jumped into that situation knowing that God was for them. Church, God is for us now. So who can be against us? So they followed the, the command and they said, all right, well, I guess we're going to go ahead and just go into the fire. They followed that command because they wanted to still honor that king, right? But here's the thing. Did y'all know that they actually had the names that were given to them by God? And when you understand that, I'm going to open up our minds here. Shadrach. His name had been changed by King Nebuchadnezzar, and that name Shadrach meant command of Aku. Aku was the moon god. Shadrach's actual name was Hananiah. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Okay? We look at Meshach. Meshach's name meant who is like Aku, again, the deity, the moon god. His actual name, Mishael, meant who is like God. We look at Abednego. Abednego's name meant servant of Nego, which then with the Babylonian province was the God of wisdom. His actual name, Azariah, meant helped by God. So you had these three men walking in knowing that Yahweh was gracious, knowing who is like God, knowing also that God is our helper, so they were just like, all right, do what you're going to do. We know who we serve, okay? And that's what I want to make sure that I drive home today because, church, in the midst of the fire, the world is going to try to give you false identity. The world is going to try to tell you you're not enough. The world is going to try to tell you your personality is not cool enough. The world is going to try to tell you you should be like this person. You should have this status. But when God is with us... We will not only walk into the fire, but we will come out on the other side, not burned, not singed, not affected, because if God is for us, say it with me, church, who can be against us? We have to know who we are, and in order to know who we are, we have to know who God is. So y'all buckle your seatbelts, because here we go. God is Abba Father, so we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. God is our advocate, so we are blameless and free from accusation, Colossians 1, God is the consuming fire, so we are the light of the world, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. God is our champion in battle so we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony revelations chapter 12 verse 11 god is a deliverer so we are rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son colossians 1 13 god is gracious and merciful so we are reconciled to god and we are ministers of reconciliation second corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 19 y'all 
that's just a little bit. I could go on and on and on and on about who God is, which then tells us who we are. Know your word. Know your word. Don't just come here on Sundays expecting Pastor Sean and Pastor Dave and whoever else is in this house then to give you what you need for your week. This is supplemental. You need to dig deep into the word yourself Monday through Sunday all the day. God, who do you say I am? Who are you? I want to abide in you because then that means you abide in me. That means I ask what I will and you say it will be given because then anything I ask is for your kingdom, not for my own want, but for what you want. Not only for my life, but the lives of those around me. Y'all. The fire of God is the Holy Spirit at work. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is his guidance and protection. He is the one who sends us. He is the one who sends us. So I ask you today, go before the Lord if you haven't asked him this question and say, God, where is my Jerusalem? Where is my Judea and Samaria? And where is my ends of the earth? Y'all, I'm with you today because my ends of the earth is right here in Africa with you. That is why I am here and trusting God because we will face challenges. We will face times that we can come to this crossroads where God is saying, hey, are you going to trust me? Because the crosswords will look different, okay? It's not going to look like a go to the left or go to the right. There's going to be a straight onward to the author and the finisher of our faith, or there's going to be my own concerns or the world's temptations, all right? So we're going to come to that crossroads. We're going to have to decide. We're going to have to make those choices and those decisions that are going to keep us moving towards Jesus and pull others along to move towards him. I'll share a little testimony here. I made a really tough decision recently with an organization that I've been with for three years. It was the group that I came with this past April. We were here. And I had to make a decision because God gave me an assignment. He said, Serena, I've called you to this continent. Why are you trying to put the assignment that I've given you? Somebody needs this today. Why, have you, why are you trying to put the assignment that I've given you onto others to make them believe it, to convince them when I've called you to carry that out? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, when God calls you to do something, he's not calling you then to go tell someone else and then make sure they're convinced about it. He's asking you to operate in a faith step of obedience. Because when you do the countless blessings, not only that you will encounter, but that those will say because of your step of obedience, and maybe you may not hear it till you get to the gates of heaven, but I promise you, when you walk in the obedience of what God has called and asked you to do and be, others will be rewarded from that. Then we have the other side of that, which are the destructive flames. Those destructive flames are produced by unhealthy desires. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is in full grown, brings forth death. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, the Message Bible. I love this version. Please listen. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. We look at several stories in the Bible and we can see what uncontrolled, unhealthy desires produced. Look at Eve. She had everything. Adam and Eve had everything they could ever need. But that uncontrolled, unhealthy desire, I've just got to grab a hold of that fruit. We saw what happened. We saw Samson, who was called to be a leader of his people at the time. But he had such an unhealthy desire for a woman that was not meant to be his. When we saw what happened with him in the story of Samson. God redeemed him at the end of his life, but could you imagine if he would have walked wholly in who God had called him to be? We look at Judas, y'all, one of the 12, right? He had the opportunity to walk with the Savior of the world, but he was so driven by wanting status and wanting to be popular that he literally betrayed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for 30 pieces of silver. And we know what happened with his life. But then we contrast David. We know the story of David. He also did make some terrible choices, but he had a heart that was after God's own heart. So he had a heart of repentance, and God redeemed. God redeemed. So, brothers and sisters, we all have a choice to make. So the prayer for myself and all of us here is that we would choose to fight for a life with Jesus, not only for ourselves, but all those around us who don't know the truth of who Jesus is. So we have to discern the source of our fire. Discern the source of our passion. Is it from God or is it a trap or trick of the enemy or our own evil desires, our own wants? So we have to pray and ask God for wisdom and discernment because according to James 1.5, he gives freely to all who ask. So a simple question that we can ask ourselves before we make a choice is this. Is this decision that I am about to make going to bring glory to God and honor God? Now, y'all, I'm not talking about when you wake up in the morning and try to figure out what are you going to wear. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about real-life questions, real-life choices. First, or not first, John, I'm sorry. John chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have to know the word. 
We have to know the word because then the next shiny, charismatic person will come and be so convincing. But if you're not in tune to the Holy Spirit, you will not realize that they are trying to point people towards themselves, not point people to God. Surround yourself by people who point you to Jesus, who honor Jesus. And bring those who don't know him to the foot of the cross so that they can be transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not our job to make sure people get saved. Our job is to help them understand the truth, the knowledge, and the love of Jesus. And then from there, they get to make the decision. So, once we've discerned and we choose to make the decision that honors God, it is going to be a fight. It is not going to be a walk in the park. Oh, now I'm a follower of Jesus. Everything's going to go great. No, no, no. We have to fight for the reward. Fight for the reward. Romans chapter 6 verses 22 through 23 says this in the Message Bible. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. If you work hard for sin your whole life, your pension will be death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our master. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 through 28, Message Bible. Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open, and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Now. Don't be bluffed into silence or by the threats of bullies. There is nothing they can do to your soul. I feel like somebody needs to hear that again. There is nothing that this world can do to your soul, your core being. Y'all, save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm giving you guys a deluge of the word. Because when we know what God says, we know the word, and we walk in everyday life, we don't have to be worried or concerned about what tomorrow will bring. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So you ask the question, but Serena, like, what if I've messed up? Like, what if I messed up just this morning and I'm kind of here feeling all like, oh, I messed up. Y'all, I've messed up too. If I were to share with you my whole life testimony, I'll be like, yeah, she really did mess up. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is that God is the redeemer. He doesn't expect us to live a perfect life. Because if, if he expected us to live that and if we did that, then we wouldn't need a savior. We wouldn't need him. What he does expect for us is to have a heart of repentance and to turn away from, sin, uh, from sinful patterns. So a heart of repentance so number one was fight for the reward. Number two, a heart of repentance. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 through 10 says this in the New Living Translation. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. Now, I don't know about you. I am not trying to be that person. <laughs> no, thank you. It says, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Y'all, that is, that is something that if we really think about what it would really mean to not have a relationship with the one who created us, that should bring you to tears knowing how many people outside the front door of this church are walking around hopeless, or walking around believing their life has no purpose, or walking around wondering why they even exist. It's because they don't know the one who created them. It's because they don't know that their life was not just an accident or a mistake, but God created each and every single one of us in his image for such a time as this. We need to acknowledge our need for a savior when we mess up. We cannot be so full of pride that we don't acknowledge the fact that we need a savior. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. God will never ask us to do something without giving us a promise of what happens when we do it. Each and every single time. So acknowledge our need for a savior. Finally, Surrender to the holy fire of God. Surrender. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, New King James says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. All he has done for you. All he has done for you. Let them be a holy, living sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship is not just singing to God. It's a lifestyle. It's in everything that we do. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So church, when we... Number one, fight for the reward that God has a life with us. Fight for the reward of a life with Jesus. When we, number two, have that repentant heart. We, number three, acknowledge our need for the Savior, for the only Savior of the world. And then, number four, surrender to the fire, the holy fire of God. We will discover that the fear of man will always be a trap and a snare, but the fear of God will always free us and liberate us. Amen. We will break free from those spiritual hamster wheels and instead run the race that is set before us with endurance. We will live out loud the love of Jesus and see others free and liberated through the testimony of our own freedom and liberation. So let's burn for the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. Let's burn.
Nelson Mandela said this quote, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Let's do it, church. Let's do it. Danielle, can I get you on the keys? Let's do it, church. Let's burn for the kingdom that cannot be shaken. We serve a God who cannot be defeated. He has already overcome the world. That makes us more than overcomers. I invite everyone to close your eyes, please. Bow your heads. I want to invite everyone to just reflect. Reflect on this word that has been spoken to us today through the Holy Spirit. Reflect on your own burning experiences. And I ask this question today. Who in this room today is really longing for that transformative change and Holy Spirit fire? Who's really longing for that? This is not a time. Y'all, I just spoke to you the power of not caring about what the world thinks, but knowing who God says you are. This is, this is a time between you and the Father. So I'm going to ask this question again. Who today is really longing for that transformative change and Holy Spirit fire? So I'm going to ask, the Holy Spirit's really speaking to you today, and you said, yes, Serena, my sister, that's me. Then I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to come forward today. So right up out your seat and get yourself right on up here. If that's you today and you're saying, I want that, come on up. I want that same passion in the story that I heard of that young lady who decided to go and just invite people to be that change and how it spread like a wildfire. Y'all come close. I ain't going to bite you. I promise. You know, if that's you today and you're like, man, I'm tired of being on that hamster wheel. I'm tired of caring about the things of this world. I'm tired of being consumed by my own wants, my own needs. I need to focus my attention on the author and finisher of my faith. Then that's you. And God is speaking to you. It's time to get up on out that seat and come on. You know, I feel like I need to speak to this, too. I feel like there's somebody in the room who's saying, but, but I, I'm this age, and, and, and I, Moses was 80 when he got started. God doesn't have any grandchildren. So if that's you in this room, and you're like, yeah, I need that, then come on up. I'm going to ask one more time. If that's you and you're like, I need to be filled with that Holy Spirit fire. I need to be the catalyst of transformative change, not only seen in my life, but the life of those I know God has called me to be a witness to. Then I ask you to be on up here. Okay, so now I'm going to ask some brothers and sisters. I want one, at least one person behind each person praying with. This is going to be, this is going to be all a family, y'all. We're all a family because these brothers and sisters up here are asking for a radical change in their life. So the person that they even see right now, when they walk out, they shall be no more. They shall be transformed by the renewing of their mind. They shall be walking in God's divine purpose and plan for their life. 
Let's make sure everyone is covered by someone behind them, a brother or sister behind them, praying with them. There's still a couple more people up here at the end that need someone praying with them. Let's cover our family here, guys. This is a family. We are the body of Christ. We all need one another. Let's make sure everyone is covered, even if we're covering two or three people. That's okay. That's okay. All right, those of you who are up here right now that are praying that prayer, please, I would like for you to say these words with me, Father God. Say these words with me. And everybody in the room, we're going to say these together. Father God, we come to you today as your sons and daughters. God, we ask for a breakthrough, a radical transformation, and shift in my life. I no longer want to be controlled by this world, by its temptations, by its traps, by my own fears and struggles. But I want to walk in the divine purpose that you have for my life. God, I know you've already anointed me. You've already prepared the good works for me. Help me to walk in them. I need you, my Savior. Help me to fight for a life with you. Help me to have a repentant heart. Help me to acknowledge that I need you. And help me to surrender to your fire, your Holy Spirit, transformative fire. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, the last thing that I want to do, because I never walk into a house of God just assuming that everyone in this room has a relationship with Jesus. I will never do that because I don't want to miss the opportunity of somebody stepping forward into eternal life with God. So if that's you in this room today, again, I'll just have everybody close their eyes, please. Bow their heads. No one is looking around right now. If that's you today, and you know what? Maybe you've been coming to church for a while. Maybe you've been coming and you're like, yeah, but man, the, what Serena was just talking about, I feel like I don't have that relationship. I want that relationship. I want to seek God on my own. I want to be in the word. I don't want to just come on Sunday and get my fill and then go back and let the world beat me up. I want to know who God has called me to be. I want to know what God has called me to do. So if that's you in this room today, I'm going to ask you simply just to slip your hand up. If that's you and you're like, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. Hallelujah. I see a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. We're going to pray this prayer with this beautiful sister that raised her hand, everyone in the room, because it is a celebration when one chooses to give their life to Jesus. Not only the angels in heaven rejoice, but we get to rejoice too. So let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I come before you just as I am. I thank you. I don't have to be perfect because you are perfect and you love me with unconditional love. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord.
I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And Lord, your word says, if I do that, that I'm saved. So I thank you for that salvation. I thank you that I can rejoice because my life is now in your hands for eternity. Thank you for your plan and your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. Thank you.